Today is a good day to be at the vineyard. Today is a good day to be here. It's, um, it's interesting how many new people there are in the last couple of years, in the last 18 months, in the last few months. So it was very, very bizarre to me to think this week that we were going to have a very special guest. And, and if you know Matt, you have absolutely noticed that he's here. But some of you don't know. Some of you don't know, which is so strange, who this incredible, amazing, important individual is. And so I, I am really in danger here because I've been on for a very, very long time about my dear friend and my mentor and this person that we love very much. But I wanted to let you know, if you don't know who Matt is, I wanted to tell you a little bit about him. So Matt has been a part of the vineyard almost as long as Vince and I have been a part of the vineyard. And he has been a part of every significant spiritual season in our life for the last two decades. He has been a pastor at this church for 17 years, first as an associate and then as a lead pastor for over 10. And it was not quite two years ago that he made the difficult decision to step away from this position. And it's been a journey the last couple of years for us as a church. I'm fond of saying that I would have been content to uh, follow him around and hand him things that he needed for the rest of our lives until we were old and gray and they made us, you know, stop stop talking or being in public because we were old and weird. But that is, that is, not, that is not the path that, that God had laid out before us. But um, when I found out that Matt was going to be here this week visiting here in Rolla, absolutely wanted to invite him to share his heart with us um, and speak today. So I'm very, very excited uh, for that to happen today. Um, Gosh, yeah, I could go on for a long time. I had a lot of thoughts about things that I would want to say. But just three really important things that I've learned from Matt. Number one, um, Matt taught me that leaders are servants. And so if I have any kind of um, ability to lead and to, to be that kind of a person, it's because he invested in me and he believed in me. And I, I, I can't even begin to say... Um, how much I have learned, and how much I appreciate what what he has taught me. And and more important than um, than that, he taught me that my yes to God was a powerful thing. I, I often joke that Matt ruined my life because once you have joined into the adventure of making Jesus your everywhere and your everything, you can't go back to being normal. You can't go back to normal life. You can't play church. You can't, you just can't. So um, the adventure has been amazing, and it was by watching this man model what that looked like that I learned how to do it. And more importantly than that, Matt has always been a person that taught me that Jesus is always, no matter what, Jesus is always bigger than what I imagine him to be. There is always more. There is always deeper. There is always something new to be learned and to gain, to be gained through the adventure. Jesus is bigger than we think he is. No matter where we are in life, no matter what season we are in, 
He is always bigger than we can possibly imagine. And it's something that's worth giving your whole life to and your whole heart. So I'm super excited. Um, I've got my notebook and my pen ready. I'm going to take frantic notes because I know that Matt has a lot to say after not having an opportunity to preach for quite some time. So let's welcome him as he comes this morning. All right, still have my picture on file. That's cool. That's cool. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. It's good to see you. It's good to, as I've hugged so many of you, I thought uh, as we were worshiping together how good it is to breathe the same air. And I think that's what, that's, that, what I was trying to describe how I would... Um, characterize the relationships that I've had with so many of you, and there's just so many words to use, and, and none of them do it justice, in my mind anyway, and we just, we just get to breathe the same air for a little while, be together, that's cool. Um, there's three things I want to say to start off with. I love you, and I'm glad you're here. God loves you, and he's glad you're here. And I promise to you that I will not do anything to try to manipulate you to believe what I have to say today. This is a safe place. This is a safe place. Over the last couple of years, I've tried really hard to find a church home. And so I've learned a lot of things. I've learned things. You know, I've been on this side of where you are for 17 years. And so I've learned what it means to struggle to go to church. And it's hard. It's hard. If you sincerely want to find a church home, it's tough. And so it's been a challenge. It's been difficult. And, and I've wanted people from the stage to say to you what I just said to you and mean it. That this is a safe place to process. That Jesus is here and it's going to be okay. And hopefully he leads us in this time. And when we leave our moments together this morning, we'll be different than when we came in. And if we did that, and in some small way, then we were successful. Me and you, together. Us together. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. So having said that, could we pray to begin? Let's, let's start the journey together. God, thank you so much for your love, your grace, your forgiveness. How you're so faithful. How you're here today. How you're leading us even now. And so, Lord, you be honored in this place. Lord, if I say anything that's not from you, I pray that it just falls to the ground. But, Lord, most of all, change us, shape us, love us. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. So, how many of you have a cell phone? Oh, really? Okay. So, <laughs> most of us, right? Most, if not all of us have a cell phone. What's one, once was a luxury, I can remember cell phones. Some of you can remember life before cell phones. It really did exist. Uh, what once was, a, what I consider to be a luxury is now a necessity. Uh, a few weeks ago, I busted the screen. I mean, it was just sort of deteriorating because I'm not very careful with it, but it was 
deteriorating. It had a crack here and a crack there, and I dropped it, you know, several times, and the screen was starting to come apart, and then all of a sudden it just sort of quit working, and life stopped. The moment my phone quit working, it was just crazy because we use these things so much, and I take it down to the AT&T store, and they can't fix it, and I get frustrated, and then they say, well, you need to buy another one, and I say, I can't afford to buy another one, and they say, well, let's figure this out, and so I got a new, or I got this one, a refurbished one on a deductible as a part of our insurance plan, and so that was cool, and I got, but I couldn't wait, so I'm, I'm tracking it through this tracking system on my computer that says, okay, it's left Dallas, and now it's, you know, 30 miles down the road, and now it's over here, and I'm like, why is it taking so long? In the 21st century, for the love of God, can't we get a phone here? But the next day it was there, and that was cool. Almost all of us have cell phones. It seems as though life itself depends on our cell phones. Um, how many of you have notifications turned on on your phone? So a few of you, most of you, a lot of you have notifications. I hate them. I really do because I'm sitting there. What I found was I, I, I stopped looking at Facebook at the beginning of the year because what I found was so disturbing to me. It, that like, does, your, I've, does your phone like track how much time you're on the phone and then tell you? That's awful. Oh, iPhones do that. So it started telling me like every day I'd spent two and a half hours looking at my phone. And I was like, how did I do that? How did I do that? And, I, and then I caught myself having conversations with someone and I would look at my phone and I would look at Facebook while I'm talking to somebody. I'm like, this is horrible. I'm a horrible person. This is awful. Or maybe you, you're not a horrible person if you do that. I'm just saying that was my, my take on my on, on who I was. I just, golly, so I had to quit looking at it. But it's, it's so funny how you have these notifications on your phone, you're having a conversation with someone, maybe you're, you're in, in deep thought or something, and all of a sudden this picture of somebody's breakfast comes up on your phone. And that's significant. Or a cat. Or something. Pops into your phone. So I don't like notifications. I don't like them. But I didn't turn them all off. I thought I had most of them off. But when I left here, a couple of years ago, when we moved to Amarillo, Texas, I didn't turn them all off. I thought I had, but I didn't turn them all off. And there was one particular notification that I got every day that at first it was like, huh. But then after day after day, it bothered me. And this notification actually became a source of torture for me. It was awful. It was awful. I hated it. But hold on to that thought. So we moved to Amarillo, Amarillo, Texas. It is flat there, and there are no trees. Birds fall out of the air because there's no place for them to land. They just get tired and fall everywhere. There's no trees. It's flat. You can see your dog run away for a long way, for a long time. It's dry. The wind blows a lot. But my family's there. And so that's where we ended up. That's where my family lives. Denise, my wife, because I don't know some of you very well, some of you I don't know at all. Uh, my wife and I, Denise, have been married 22 years. We have four kids. Yeah, that's a cool thing, right? You know, that's good. Because what I thought about when you were talking was honor. And when you honor someone and you honor something, that's important. And we should do that in church. We should do that more. So thank you for clapping. That's cool. So Denise and I have been married 22 years. I'm, a, I'm also a horrible person because I don't have pictures. 
You're supposed to, at this point in the, in the thing, have pictures, right? So my wife, just picture her standing beside me. Uh, we have four kids ranging from 26 years old to six years old. I don't have pictures of them either. Uh, I have three grandkids ranging from almost six to just under a year. So, and I get to go to church with my daughter and her kids and her husband and her kids. So that's really, really cool. That is awesome. I love being around my family. I love being around them. I miss you guys terribly. I miss this terribly. More than I can, more than I can say, more than words could describe. Um, but it is where we are. It is where we are. And you guys are in a good place. And I affirm you as the pastor of this church. Because that's important. And it's good. And we should honor one another and, and continue to, to pay that forward. So, enough about me. Let's look at our Bibles. You got a Bible? You want to turn with me? Um, Matthew chapter 9. First book in the New Testament, chapter 9. You can follow along on your phone. You can look at a, 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 one of these things, a Bible. Or you can just listen. Because I'm going to read a few words here. I thought for a long time what I'd like to say to you. And really, while I was here, all these years that I was here, what I tried to do was listen to God, apply what he was doing and saying in my life, and then share it with you. That's the best I got. Like, I'm not the most creative guy, the smartest guy, but I love Jesus, and I can identify what he's doing in my life, and then I can share it with you. And that, that was sort of the formula. And so I thought, well, I can remember and do that. It's been a couple of years, but I can remember and do that. And so I said, well, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And this is where he brought me. This is where he brought me. Matthew chapter 9, this is like full-blown into Jesus' life and his ministry here on earth. Ministry me, simply meaning working with God, living out the mission that God had given him, given him um, preaching the good news of the gospel, healing the sick, casting out demons, what we call in the vineyard doing the stuff. Doing the stuff. So Jesus is doing the stuff. In fact, in the passage that we, right before where we're going to read, this is the one where he casts all the demons into the pigs. And they run over the cliff and kill themselves. It's an awesome story. He heals somebody that's been paralyzed. Jesus already has followers. He has people that are going with him. He calls them disciples. The Bible calls them disciples. And he's walking along one day after he heals someone who's been paralyzed. Matthew 9, verse 9 is where I'm at. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having, isn't that so simple? I mean, there's so much that the Bible doesn't say. This is why I think it's so important to engage emotionally, certainly spiritually, physically. I like to insert myself into the story just to think about what it might have been like right then, like what you might have heard, what you might have been smelling, what you might have been seeing. There's a commotion. There was always a commotion following Jesus. There's always a commotion following Jesus. And Jesus walks straight up to Matthew at work and says, follow me. And it just simply says, the Bible just simply says, and Matthew got up and followed him. Really? 
Just like that. Okay. He just got up and followed him. All right. That's pretty cool. Then it goes on to say, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors, many of the other tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I've come to call the, not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. So much in that. We could just peel that apart for days and days and days and just let it soak into our souls and, and just drench us in the truth of God that he's communicating through Jesus. So much. From the very moment the birth of Jesus was announced through his birth into his ministry, it's always this way. One of the many things that I love about Jesus is he is always consistent. Don't you like that? I mean, in a world where everything changes all the time and people are very unreliable, Jesus is consistent and he is constant. Always. Always. And what we learn through Jesus that God is communicating to us is that not only does he like us, he loves us. Even in our mess, when we make a mess, even when we're not considered elite or religious or any of those things, that Jesus gives us his truth. It's not the healthy that need a doctor. Jesus is the greatest communicator that ever lived. Did you know that? He is the greatest communicator because he takes these simple things and he goes, oh yeah, well that makes sense. Sure, the healthy don't need a doctor. People who are not well, need a doctor. That makes sense. And just the people that he goes to see, you guys know this. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know that this is how Jesus lives. He goes to the people that are despised, the outcasts, the downcasts, the throwaways, and he communicates to them and, and lifts them up and, and reminds them of their worth. Maybe that's something Jesus needs to do today for us, to lift us up and remind us of our worth, to breathe the same air that we're breathing. He's doing that. He's doing that. But here's where I want to go with this, because I could go a lot of places with it. Here's where I think we need to go this morning. Two of the most powerful words in the Bible are spoken in this passage by Jesus. Two of the most powerful words in the Bible. What are they? Follow me. Follow me. Where? We'll talk about where in just a second. But imagine that. Jesus walking up to us and saying, follow me. I want you to follow me. Immediately, what I, what I thought about when I read this passage and, and, and looked at my own life, immediately, and if we're sincere, I, I'll bet you did the same thing too, and I bet you will do the same thing. Immediately, I thought of how inadequate I am. I mean, if you think about the, the story, and we, you know, for time's sake, we can't read the whole thing, but if you, if you just sat down and read it, I mean, Jesus just healed someone that had been paralyzed. He just cast out demons and threw them into pigs and they killed themselves. 
I like saying that. He's doing amazing stuff. He's clearly called by God. He's clearly sent by God. All of heaven and earth is changing through Jesus. And he walks up to this person that people hate and says, follow me. And immediately, I'm faced with my own inadequacies, my own inabilities, my own, the, the fact that I don't deserve any of that. And, and it's, it's sort of this shame that begins to come over me. And I'm like, who, me? No, no. You mean this person? Because they're a lot better person than I am. Tax collectors are thieves. Who knows, he might have been stealing in the moments right before Jesus called him. Isn't that amazing to you? It's fascinating to me, the people that Jesus calls out, grabs something inside of them and says, no, you are more than this. You are more than this. So if you're tempted this morning, because I'm going to invite all of us into this, if you are tempted this morning to begin to feel shame, don't. It's not of God. It's not of God. Shame doesn't come from God. Shame only comes from the enemy. That's my message to you this morning, is that Jesus is saying to every single one of us, follow me. Follow me. Now you and I are at a bit of a disadvantage from Matthew because Jesus doesn't walk up to us physically and say, follow me. He's not doing that, right? I mean, he, he, he's doing it, but he's not doing it physically, per se. And we have senses of Jesus in our minds and in our hearts and in our spirit drawing us. But he's not physically coming to us. So we're at a little bit of a disadvantage. So if we're going to follow, because I, I think that you're with me, and I think that if Jesus said to you to follow me, I think that you would want to do that. I believe that you would want to do that. How do you do that? How many voices do you hear a day? Five? Ten? A hundred? How many messages do you receive a day? And I don't, I don't mean just direct messages to your phone or your email or whatever it is, that you, however you get messages. I'm talking about Voices that you hear. We're bombarded with voices from the past, from the present. Certainly we have an enemy who would not want us to follow Jesus and would do everything in his power to stop that process. So he's talking to us. Voices of failure are talking to us. Comparison are talking to us. Success are talking to us. Pastors are talking to us. So many voices, so many things that we hear every day. How in the world do you hear Jesus' voice in the midst of all of that when he says, follow me, and then actually do it? Isn't that an important question? Because I'm like a pragmatist when it comes to this stuff. I really am. I'm a prag- I, I want to know, okay, Jesus, you're calling. I see through this story with Matthew that you will call anyone and everyone. 
And in fact, that's the message and ministry of your life. Follow me. You're saying that to me. This is what I'm processing. You're saying that to me. How do I know it's you if I can't see you? Isn't that an important question? I think so. I think so. The way that we get to know his voice is by getting to know him. Is by getting to know him and spending time with him through the Bible, through his people, and in prayer. Learning his voice. Jesus says in another passage in the Bible, my sheep, and again, he's a great communicator, so he uses these illustrations that people would have readily available around them, and you could identify with today. Isn't that, that's just a great communication. My sheep, he calls, he likens people to sheep. My sheep, because he's the great shepherd. My sheep, they know me. They hear my voice and they follow me. They listen to me. They know me. They know me. It's the same thing with us. You know, living in Texas, a lot of cows, a lot of cows right around there. In the wintertime, the grass isn't there. So the, the, the ranchers have got to go out and feed. So they got to go out and take feed to the cows. And I'm telling you, it's funny to watch. As soon as that pickup enters the gate to go to take the feed to the cows, boom, boom. Talk about stampede, they're all coming. Why? Because they know. They're hungry. They know that that's where they're going to get fed. There's also people that enjoy cow calling in Texas. I've never done it. Sounds fun to me. Something like yodeling, but they can call up cows. And the cows recognize their voice. So being from Texas and now living in Texas, I I would insert cows into the sheep story. Because I don't know anything about sheep. But I know the principle. And the principle is they learn the voice. And they can identify the voice in all other voices. And so if Jesus says that, then it has to be true. It's true that we can learn to identify his voice. If you've never heard Jesus' voice, I just want to just tell you what it's going to sound like. It's going to be encouraging, it's going to be kind, and it's going to be uplifting. If it's not those things, then there's a good chance it's not the voice of Jesus. The most important thing, I was telling a guy my testimony this the other day, the most important thing in my life, this is absolutely true, in following Jesus, is that he's always been kind to me. He's been so kind to me. I can always distinguish his voice because of the kindness in it. And I know I don't deserve it. He's always been kind to me. I go, yep, I know that voice. Yep, that's what I want to do. What you're saying to me to do right now is what I want to do because I know it's you, Jesus. Because you're kind to me. It will always be kind. It will always be strengthening. It will always be encouraging. It will always be uplifting. It will never be shame. It will never be failure. It will never be guilt. Ever, ever, ever. Don't give it a second thought. Don't give it 
a, a millisecond of thought if it feels shameful, if it makes you feel guilty, if it makes you feel like you need to clean up, if it makes you feel like you need to do something like cleaning up. Dismiss it immediately. It's not the voice of God. It's not Jesus' voice. So he comes to every one of us, just like he came to Matthew, and he says, follow me. And we've got to learn to distinguish his voice. It takes time to distinguish his voice. But those are just a few sort of ideas and clues about what his voice might sound like. Where would he lead us? There's another important question. Where would he lead us? Well, there's two primary ways that he's going to lead us. He's going to lead us internally, and then he's going to lead us externally. And it, it might, it's not a process, so it might be the other way around. It might be an external leading, and it might be an internal leading. It might be an internal and an external. He's concerned with our whole being, and so he's bringing healing and wholeness into every part of us, and then he's going to end up using us to bring healing and wholeness to the world. That's pretty cool, Right? That's pretty cool. And, it, and it's just, it's this process of, of okay, Jesus, where, where are we going now? Where are we going now? What are we going to do today? He's going to lead me inwardly, inwardly to heal some things that might have happened to me. Has anything ever happened to you? Some things that broke you? Yeah. He, bring, he comes into those things. See, this is the, this is the amazing thing about Jesus. Is he's not just going to skip over those things as if they're not important to him. He's going to go into those things and bring healing and life and wholeness to them. And it's going to be a little painful. Don't mistake pain for shame, okay? It's not the same thing. It might be a little painful as he says, let's go into that place where you were abused. And let me bring health and wholeness to that place. Let's go into that place where you really, really messed up. And let's bring health and wholeness and healing into that area. And I'm going to go with you. Follow me into that place. Follow me there. And then as he's bringing health and healing and life and wholeness to us internally, then we're able to give more and more and more of that away. That's what we're doing. We're following him. He's the initiator. We're following his lead. This week is a perfect week for this. I always got excited about St. Pat's week. And I can't tell you how many dirty looks I got from other pastors in this town when I said that. And I'm not being disparaging at all. I'm just like, that's the truth. We'd have meetings. We have meetings once a month in the, in the ministerial alliance. And I'd say, man, I can't wait for St. Pat's Week. And they're like, why? It's disgusting. There's drunk people everywhere. There's people doing things in the streets that they shouldn't be doing. There's people parking in our parking lots when they shouldn't be. The horror. It's the truth, you know. Good humor is always good because there's a little bit of truth in it, right? It's it. So you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's just disgusting things that are going to happen this week. But oh my gosh, the opportunity. Oh my gosh. You think Jesus doesn't love every single person that's going to engage in some act of shame, debauchery, 
This week? Yeah, he does. And guess how he's going to communicate that love to them? The person sitting in your seat is going to get to do it. You get to do it. You get to do it. And maybe you don't have a ton of opportunity. Maybe you're not going to be out and about this week. Maybe you're not going to be in. Come Saturday. Cancel what you're doing. Come Saturday and give a hot dog to someone and smile at them. It's so simple. It's so simple. But I can't tell you year after year after year when you do this about how many people expect that. And then we just figure out how to tell people, we love you, Jesus loves you. You're following Jesus into that. This is a significant week. It's an important week. And you get the opportunity to follow Jesus in every single bit of it. So Jesus is saying to Matthew through our our account this morning, follow me. He's saying to us this morning, follow me. We're going to learn to hear his voice. We're going to learn to recognize his voice. We're going to sharpen that skill of hearing his voice. Desperate, needing his voice. He's going to follow us internally. And then he's going to follow, he's going to, excuse me, he's going to invite us to follow him as we go internal. And he brings health, healing, and life to us. And then we're going to follow him as he invites us to then go out and take that life that we're experiencing out. A long time ago, I mentioned that there was a notification on my phone that bothered the hell out of me. It did. I hated it. I think we have a picture of it. Maybe. Hopefully. Oh, there it is. It was a notification through Gmail. When I was living here and pastoring this church, I had a lot of appointments and I had a lot of things happening. Every day, it seemed. And so I had to go, I had to get organized. I'm not by nature an organized person, but I had to be organized because I care about people and I wanted to to give as much attention and time and detail to people as I could. So I got organized through this Google Calendar. And it would send me notifications every day about the things that I had to do that day, the things that were scheduled that day. And then I could take that list and I could pray about it, meetings ahead of time. Except when I moved, I didn't have those meetings. When I moved, I didn't have stuff to do every day. And so this little reminder would come every morning at 5.30 a.m. Matt, you have no event scheduled today. And at first I was like, "Eh, whatever. But then it came the next day. And then the next day. And then the next day. And I really did, because I'm this, like, I don't know what I am. I'm like a processor. I, I I started to internalize that. And I started to think, really, I don't have any events today either? I didn't have any events yesterday. Nothing happened the day before. And then as a middle-aged white guy who's supposed to have a crisis around this time, I started to think, what's my life about? I'm doing nothing. I have no events. 
And it really started to bother me. It really started to become this, sort of this torturous thing. And then the enemy got a hold of that and then just started digging in there. So that's right, Matt. You know why you don't have anything going today? Because you're useless. Because you're worthless. Because no one wants to hear from you anymore anyway. No one wants what you have. And every day, this reminder. Now, for those of you that are thinking, why didn't you just get rid of the notification? That didn't occur to me until about a year later. So, I'm not fast. <laughs> not fast. But I do love. But yeah, I should have just gotten rid of the notification, told the enemy was a liar, and gone on with my life. But I didn't. I allowed it to take root, and then it just sort of grew and grew and grew, and then I became bitter about it. And then I became jealous when I would get on Facebook and see other pastors and friends of mine, their church is growing and they're thriving, and we're doing this outreach and that re outreach, and I'm like, oh yeah? It was awful. It was dark. It was dark. And then I started thinking, and then I started asking God. Fortunately, I was able to sort of see that somewhere. His grace. I said, God, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be jealous of people that I love. I don't want to be jealous of people that are doing things in your name. I don't want to be bitter towards you. I love you. How do I stop? And then he brought me to this passage. And it's been just sort of rolling around inside of me for almost a year now. And it's this. Here's the truth. You will never be more fully alive than when you're following Jesus. And every one of us have an event scheduled every day. Every single day. I have an opportunity for an event. Every single day, Jesus is extending the invitation to me to follow him. Now, it may seem significant. It might not be a significant thing. Sometimes the follow me means I'm going to get up today and put on pants. And that's okay. Some days you might actually be instrumental in communicating the love of God to somebody, and they may change their whole life because of that. Most days we fall somewhere in between. Every single day, every single moment, you have an invitation, and so do I, from Jesus that says, follow me. Follow me. You and I will never be more fully alive than when we're following Jesus. And we can do that in Texas, and we can do that in Missouri, and we can do that wherever we are. We can respond to that opportunity. We can respond to that invitation. And it doesn't matter. Here's the cool thing. Because Jesus said it. I've come and he sits with sinners. I've come to the house of sinners. So it doesn't matter whether you're actually in relationship with him or not. It doesn't matter whether you're close to him or not. It doesn't even matter if you believe everything that he says. He's not afraid or offended by your unbelief, attitude. I don't know how you would describe it. 
Isn't that cool? Every single one of us can respond to that. And so now I don't have this notification anymore. I had to go back and get that. Because I know it's not true. It's a lie from the enemy. It's not true. I have an event. I'm here with you. I have an event, and I'm here with you. And now life can be like this. Here's another great picture. Can you read that? This is God saying, I have a plan for your life and what it actually feels like. And the woman on the left there is the Holy Spirit. And then it's you. I saw that on Facebook and I thought, that's perfect. That's so good. (laughs) And sometimes it does feel like the little kid. You're just sort of hanging on and you're just going with it. But I'll bet you he's having fun. And life's not always like this, but I want you to know that it's available. Life following Jesus can be exciting. Can be exciting. And so we'll just, we're just going to take a moment here. We're just going to take a moment and see what he might say to us individually. About what he might say to you right now in this moment about what it looks like to follow him. I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes, not because it's necessary or anything like that. It just really helps with distraction. It just really does help with distraction. There's a very personal message right now, a very, 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 very personal message, specifically for you, 